Let Him Go Barefoot is a podcast that dives into all things parenting and education through the lens of mindful awareness. Conversations aim to bring forward patterns, beliefs, and attitudes that shape our expectations and ideas about what it means to raise healthy children. With the blend of science, ancient wisdom, and intuition, we will explore ways to support, nurture, and connect with our growing children while also nurturing and expanding ourselves. I am grateful you are here. On this 14th episode, I talked to Carla Marie Williams. She is the author of several books on homeschooling, including Homeschool Gone Wild and Teens Unleashed, both of which I have read. But for this conversation, I wanted to focus on the ideas and insights she provides in Teens Unleashed. I wanted to focus on the teen years for two reasons. One, a consistent concern I hear about homeschooling is that it's okay when the kids are younger, but by the time the teen years roll around, kids need more structure and more schooling. And also, parents don't feel qualified. And then two, talking to people who have lived with teens and sharing how they have supported them on their journey to, quote, launch, to use Carla's word, is both empowering and inspiring. I want to encourage you to take a wider view of the teen years, to see them for the vital, interesting people they are, to recognize that the traditional schooling model is but one way to learn, and to remind you that it's okay to try something different, especially if it helps your curious, full-of-life teen customize a life that suits them better. Here's my conversation with Carla Marie Williams. Hello, my name is Carla Marie Williams, and I am excited about speaking with Missy today about learning together at home. Such an exciting topic. Um, I am the mother of six inspired learners. They are now 19, 18, 16, 15, 13, 14, and 13. So yes, I have six teenagers. Wow. <laughs> and I am really excited about um, talking about our journey um, through unschooling. I am also a, um, an author of several books and a um, family and child advocate globally, um, where I do trauma-competent parenting training for foster parents, adoptive parents, and social workers, child advocates across the world, 10 countries and counting. And so oh. I have a lot of passions, but all of it is surrounding happy, healthy, family and home life. And so I'm really excited to talk to you guys today and, uh, and share. That's Thanks amazing. Thanks for having me, Missy. Oh, absolutely. I'm looking forward to getting into all the details with you because I started following you. Um, well, I started on Instagram in like 2016, but I was not really active. It was more like, what is this place? What is going on here? Right. <laughs> and, and then I started kind of getting a little bit, a little bit more brave, trying to share a little bit more. And the next thing you know, I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm in this, I'm going to do it. So right. <laughs> when I found you, it's probably been a couple of years. I got your homeschool gone wild book cool. and, um, I just really appreciated the way you laid things out and it, it felt nice to just hear because that first person narrative, like just your story and, and how you've done things and what your trajectory was. And then recently I picked up your teens unleashed because I have two teens, well, one young adult and a teen. And I appreciate hearing from other families who 
raised children, gone through the teenage years and are now launching their kids into the world. So um, if you would like to, we can just dive right into the book or if you want to give a little bit more backstory about kind of how you even let's let's do that. Let's just do a little backstory. Like how did you how did you get here? How did you get to <laughs> homeschooling, unschooling and um, being an author? Well, I tell you what, <laughs> um, it's funny because all of my passions kind of collided in, in, in causing this to happen. But um, our original, to make a very long story short, our original reason um, that we started homeschooling was kind of an emergency for our oldest daughter, who we found um, after changing several schools and ways of doing things and different programs that she just needed something completely outside the box that a school mm. classroom full of children and one teacher was not going to be able to provide for her. And so we brought her home and I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Um, I had a kindergartner and a toddler at the time and um, we had no idea what we were doing. I knew one person that had actually did homeschooled. I had heard of it before, knew one person that did it went over to her house. She showed me what she used. She even had her kids in uniforms. I was so oh, overwhelmed <laughs> and intimidated. So yeah, we didn't opt for the uniforms, but um, and, unless we went on uh, field trips so I could keep track of everybody, but mm-hmm. I was just not, I, w- I was scared to deviate because I wasn't really sure where my power was or sure. where my freedom was. And so I just needed somebody to tell me everything that I had to do. And so for about three years, we suffered through death by workbook. Mm, <laughs> um, and what and year no, was this, Carla? Huh? What year did you, this when did you was, say this was? What year this was this? was 2009, I believe. Okay. Or no, 2000, 2009 is when I pulled her from school. But my other kids, okay. I was, you know, doing things with them at home. So all the way back to 2007 almost. But mm. 2009 was when we started actual curriculum. Um, based on what this mom was doing. So I did everything that she was doing. We hated it. Mm. I hated it. My kids hated it. Um, I had the full classroom with all the bells and whistles that you would have in an elementary (laughs) classroom. I had a four-year-old, almost four-year-old sitting at a desk, expecting him to sit sit there. I stood in front of my, what at that time was seven, six, and four-year-old. They were at desks. Mm -hmm. I stood in the front and I taught things. It was a train wreck and (laughs) I was in the corner, literally, I know people say this, but I was literally in the corner at the end of every day crying Mm -hmm. when my husband Mm -hmm. got home from work and his answer, because, you know, men like to be problem solvers, (laughs) his answer was then send them back to school. And I'm like, no, if that's the only option, we're going to make this work. We suffered through that a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. And then um, we decided we were going to adopt three more children. And if I already hated what we were doing, this was going to be exponential pain for sure. everyone. <laughs> and yeah. so I started, you know, I joined Facebook and I started seeing how wide and vast the homeschool community was and all of these options and that learning can look different than what I was used to. You know, as a kid, I didn't like learning Mm -hmm. and learning certainly did not coexist with play. 
I mean, those were two different worlds. And so right. I, I didn't enjoy school myself after sixth grade. I checked out um, mentally, you know, and emotionally. I just did not like it. And then uh, so I didn't expect my kids to like it. Like if they're complaining or they're crying or they're not enjoying it, they're supposed to. You're not supposed to like this. <laughs> Right. I mean, it's a necessary it's, it's, evil, right? Yeah. We and get so, used to that pain, right? We we, yeah. we we justify the pain. We're like, this is just what it's supposed to be. You know yes. what? Everybody has to suffer. It's like some crazy rite of passage. We feel like our kids have to have exactly. to experience. I so, had to suffer yeah, through it. So now that. you do. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I actually, you know, I just started doing research and watching videos and I was like, okay, these people are crazy. <laughs> um, you know, speaking of unschoolers and I, I start reading and researching and just, you know, trying to figure out how this would work. Cause you know, you're always thinking forward, but what about college and what about this and what about that? And we'll talk more about that. But, um, you know, all of these fears, but I was just like, this is not cool. So then when I, um, when our younger three came home, we just stopped everything. Because we wanted to bond as a family of eight now. And uh, I didn't want, you know, other stuff, you know, trying to stuff information down their throat in the midst of that process. So we just stopped and um, probably four or five months. And I started seeing things happening that I had read about videos that I had seen and had heard people talk about when it came to unschooling and interest in learning. And I was like, whoa, it's happening. Mm. And then my husband's uh, work uh, uh, schedule changed and he was home more and he began seeing it because at first he was, he wasn't very impressed on anything seemed unnatural to him. Right. So <laughs> the word can be off putting until people understand it, but it can. Yeah. Yeah. There um, we began to see things more from, we were like, okay, all right. We see how this works. They were teaching themselves things. They were teaching each other things, things that we would never think to initiate and um, things that we thought we had to teach, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, Mm -hmm. it was happening kind of organically and natural. And it was so beautiful and enjoyable for all of us. We were enjoying (sighs) ourselves. And I was like, I don't want to, I don't want this to end, you know? And as I did more and more research and followed the right people, I realized it didn't have to end. Mm-mm. that this could be a lifestyle for us. And so that's kind of how we morphed from public school to, um, to death by workbook homeschool to, <laughs> <laughs> I say that just as a joke. I'm not anti. It is. No, we no, 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 I know. It's but, so funny. Um, <laughs> it's true. I mean, so but, much pain that goes along with some of those. I know. And so, you know, that's how we got here. So be about 13 years since, uh, since our very, very beginning. Um, and then the last decade has been unschooling. Yeah. And, well, and um, I want to highlight uh, another thing that you said in your book, um, pup periodic unschooler panic. <laughs> you know, I heard that somewhere early okay. in my research about unschooling. And I cannot remember because I wish I could give the person credit that said it, but I never mm-hmm. forgot it. <laughs> yeah. It makes perfect sense because, right, I mean, like you said, once we have a framework in mind, once we've lived a certain way, once society has accepted things as being the right, quote unquote, way, yes, then who are you to buck the system? 
right? right? Like, who? What, what are you thinking? Especially are you an trying to teacher? <laughs> oh, right. I mean, you don't have a certificate. You don't have a diploma. Um, that's not your territory. Right. So it does require an ability to just put your head down and do it and, and, and say, I know I don't have all the answers and I might not even be sure which direction we're going, but I do know that my kids are happier now. I am seeing stuff that's making more sense. Mm -hmm. And it looks like we're trying to get our life back here. Right. And (laughs) so it sounds to me like when you said you saw, you were, you were, you all started relaxing more into it. I know that many families feel similarly to you and have that same experience where you try to do school at home and it's an impossible thing to take on. You're only one person. There's no way you have like that team of teachers supporting each other. You don't have a teacher lounge. You can't just go get away for a few minutes, (laughs) you know? And so when, when we try to replicate a system in our own homes, it just tends to kind of flop. And I, I've met people who said they couldn't homeschool. And I asked, why would that be the case? And if they told me that that's, that's what they did, then I was like, well, I can see how that would happen. <laughs> right. Because when, when you make that rigid expectation, and then you become not only, well, you, you, you change your hat to the point where you're not mom supporting the development of my kids naturally, it's more like, now I have to be over you and, and overpower you versus empowering you. So as you've made that transition through the years, what inspired you to write about it? Okay, <laughs> that's a really good question. And I'll tell you, to start, I started on social media. Um, you know, I was a part of a few homeschool mom groups and got a lot out of it. But what I found myself doing was I I was a major poster in one of these groups. I posted all the time, like everything my kids were doing. And I know that I got on people's nerves. So I said, (laughs) okay, I I let the lady know because I didn't want her to think I was just ghosting the group. I was a big part of the group. Um, That because I felt like I was overwhelming the time, (laughs) I needed to start my own page. And so I started a fan page and really it was just to chronicle our journey. Mm. It was so many amazing things popping off every day. I, I had to chronicle it. Right. And it, people just started following. Okay. And it became to this point where I, I was answering all of these questions. So I started the YouTube channel because I wanted to, because I was answering the same questions over and over. I wanted to do a video for every, all the main questions people asked me. And I could direct them there instead of, you know, yeah, no, it makes <laughs> spending sense. all my time answering the same makes questions. Sense. And so um, from there, my other work, which was um, my international work that I do in uh, trauma training for parents, um, my husband and I have always funded that ourselves. Mm. And um, every country that we've been to, you know, with the exception of a few gifts here and there, but with every country that we've been to and all the trainings we've done, we have funded that personally um, from our family and uh, through our own organization. And (laughs) the interesting thing about it is that I was at a kind of at a standpoint, I was in Thailand uh, one year, I think it was 2016. um, And I was kind of discouraged because I felt like I couldn't keep doing this. I needed another answer. I wanted to continue doing the work, but I needed another answer to fund the work. Mm. 
And that's when I said, what do I know a lot about? What can I just really rock in a book? And I said, duh. Yeah. <laughs> so that's where Homeschool Going Wild was birthed. And I was able to take all of our, our journey and, um, you know, the snippets from YouTube and all those kinds of things and build it out to really be able to, uh, to help people um, who are interested in homeschooling or unschooling. Um, and so that's where Homeschool Gone Wild came from. It was my very first book in 2018, September. And every book since, I've written nine books and 12 journals since wow. then. Every book since, there's been a chapter in one book that sparked the next okay. one. Okay. And so that's kind of how all of that started is that it was out of a need and believe it or not, homeschool gone wild is continuing, you know, as well as teens unleashed and my other books to, to fund that work. It's wonderful. So, um, it's, it's one way it's one passion is funding another passion mm -hmm. and I don't have to, you know, have investors and things of that nature. So it's pretty neat. Well, what a great <laughs> example you're setting for your kids about self-directed education, you know, mm -hmm. it's just such a, I mean, it, it, that's one thing, you know, we, we, at least I encourage families and, um, try to live myself is mm -hmm. living by example. You know, I mean, if you have an idea and there's something that you want to do, but you might not have the finances for it, then you get creative, figure out how you can yeah. support that Absolutely. passion or that trip or that, that thing you want to buy. So I love that. That's wonderful. So you really live in the life of self-directed education for your kids and for everybody else. One of the things I always tell people is our kids pay more attention to what we do than what we say. Oh yeah. Uh, we can have, I mean, we can say some things, <laughs> you know, we, we can have, you know, my husband and I have been known for our, you know, seven steps to cleaning the bathroom kind of <laughs> motivational speeches. Right. And you have um, a flow chart. Flow exactly. chart oh yeah. I am the queen of the nominated charts, but it's really funny. They watch you more than they listen to you. And I have, mm -hmm. You know, over the years, it's not, I'm, I'm a talker, as if you can't tell, but over the years, I've kind of <laughs> pulled back and decided to, you know, walk more things out right. than talk about them. Yeah. And I have found that my kids pay closer attention to that. Well, then, and I love that, you know, you know, our kids call us out too. You yeah, know? Oh yeah. I have six and teenagers. You right. talk about being <laughs> called out. Yeah. <laughs> They, they will let you know very fast. Yeah. Very and fast. And you know what? And I respect that because they, they're I respectful too. about it. You know, sometimes mm -hmm. it's a joking form. Um, but I really believe that parenthood is a mirror. Oh, yeah. And I'm a better person because of my kids. A hundred percent. I can relate to that because completely. They and it me, also. They oh, show sorry, me those flaws and those strengths. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, and it also teaches them to recognize how important it is to get feedback from other people that you love and trust. Yeah. And to it's okay. It's not a criticism. It's more of a reflection, like you said, and it, and it brings, brings the self-awareness more forward for them as well. And you're showing them, hey, I can take that and be fine. Right. I don't have to melt because somebody told me I wasn't doing something right or maybe right. thought that the way I handled it wasn't the best. Um, if anything, they're just trying to encourage us to be our best selves. Mm -hmm. So I want to bring up your Teens Unleashed book, Unschooling Young Adults as They Reach for Their Dreams. Yes. And 
I'm going to start actually with the back of the book. And I want to highlight this one thing you said about unschooling, because I feel like this is really critical piece of information. It's on page 165, a real critical piece of information for those who are curious about unschooling, or maybe even already are doing this with their younger kids. Um, And you say, unschooling does not guarantee you mega successful top 100 executives any more than public school can. There are no guarantees that they will be the next Steve Jobs or start the next multi-billion dollar company. Unschooling can mean that you will have free, confident, and curious young adults that will find their way in this world on their terms and in a direction that they choose without anyone's preconceived plans. And I just love that because when we take on the responsibility of bringing our kids home and becoming the primary educator, if you will, there's a lot of pressure there for us to be like, well, if you're going to do that, I think sometimes people think, well, your kid needs to be like a concert pianist or they need to start a multi-million dollar company or to ha- have some invention. Um, but that does exactly the opposite of what we're trying to do, which is to empower them to make the decisions that match them versus fitting into a system. So yeah. how did you get to that place? <laughs> Wow. Um, You know, we just as parents, you know, parents judgment of parents can be real icky. Right. And Mm -hmm. everybody feels that how they're doing what they're doing is the best and how they're doing what they're doing is going to is going to cause, you know, 100 percent success over someone that's doing something different. So it could be how you fed your child, you know, did you bottle feed? Did you breastfeed? You know, mm-hmm. did you cloth diaper? Did you, <laughs> did you use right. disposable diapers? You know, did you, homeschool? <laughs> did you public school? Did you unschool? Everybody thinks that their choice is the best or they may or may not think it's the best, but they have to tout that because it makes them feel better about the choice that they made. And so I think that it's important that we recognize that some things work for some families and some things don't. But what's important is that everybody knows that there is no choice that's going to guarantee, there's no guarantee stamp that this is going to cause a kid that is unschooled to be more successful over a kid that's homeschooled or public schooled. Mm-hmm. So the, the point is that that's not the goal. Right. The goal isn't to make my kid better than your kid (laughs) or for my kid to stand out more than your kid. The goal is to have free kids that are um, that are curious, that love to take in information and process and explore and research and, um, you know, perfect the skills that are natural and innate, um, you know, talents that they have. And that's where the beauty is. The beauty isn't in some external view of what success is. It's kind of helping the kids determine what success is for them and celebrating them through that process, giving them that freedom and providing them those resources. But, you know, it's so funny because I love that you read that because I I have to remind myself of that Mm. because as an author, as a person that is, you know, um, I don't know if I would call myself an influencer, but as a person that, you know, has people following them and looking up to them and asking them questions, um, I have to be sure that I am not giving off 
those vibes, so to speak, that this is going to be the fail-proof way to having, you know, successful kids. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just not, it's not healthy <laughs> yeah. to think that way or to put that pressure on yourself or your children. There's freedom in that as well, I think, because it makes you take a deep breath and also just kind of relax your shoulders a little bit. And like, you don't have to do it this way to get some desired outcome that looks like what society thinks success is. And it makes you recognize well, I think it, it takes it takes the focus off of that end goal and focuses you more on the immediate and the here and now and the day to day and the individual child. So instead of, like you said earlier, how so we project so far into the future, you know, the minute we bring them home, whether they're in kindergarten or fifth grade, it's like, what are they going to do for high school math? <laughs> what, <Right. laughs> what, what about what about the first job? Are they ever going to make right. friends? Are they, da, 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 and, you know, and we just go on and on and on. But it is exactly. fear. It's fear of the unknown. It's something that we're not familiar with, which is why I believe these conversations are so critical now, especially in allowing people to take a peek in to what does it look like in other people's lives? What Mm -hmm. could the potential framework look like? And if you are starting out or even at this for a few years and you still feel like you're a little unsure of yourself, establishing those whys and setting those foundational uh, sort of like a mission statement even, you know, like that foundational Mm-hmm. a belief about what the point of this experience is for you, for your kids and for your family. And, um, and then I think it makes it easier to build from there. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. So with that foundation sort of set, there was, let me grab, let me grab my little list here because one thing that I appreciate a lot about anyone who's raised teens and are currently raising teens is understanding what their goals are as the parent and how that Mm -hmm. shifts and changes as the kids shift and change. And in your book, you wrote down things about parental roles and mapping out a path for children. And that to me, even though, like you said, you're not, you're not saying this is a surefire way, but at least it gives people stepping stones, something that they can, they can, grab onto it feels it, yeah it feels it feels concrete it feels like okay I have something and and at least it gives me a little bit of a framework to work within um, while still maintaining that you are working to help your children be empowered and to help them become the best versions of themselves so on page 129 and 130 you have this section on parental roles career counseling so how would you feel about going through some of those like just sort of explaining how you kind of came up with this and, and maybe how it looked in your family. You know, this is so interesting because when I, um, just to, to backtrack of where this, the root of this chapter came yeah. from, <laughs> um, I was not, when I graduated from high school, which I graduated from high school early because I did not like high school. Okay. I had enough credits. So I was like, I'm out of here. So yeah. <laughs> So, um, and I worked until I went to college, which was a whole nother thing. I thought that's what everybody did. I thought that was the expectation. And for my generation, it kind of was, if you didn't go, you were a loser. Mm. And so, I mean, I'm not, I know that that's not true, but that was the circles that I was a part of the school that I went to the families that I, you know, were connected to. That's what you did. Yeah, that was per- There was no ifs, ands, or buts about mm-hmm. it. That was the perception. And, mm-hmm. 
And so it wasn't until I had kids and I thought there are a million different directions that can get a kid where they want to go. And my husband, you know, we're not anti-college by any means. He's in school right now with his getting his PhD. Okay. (laughs) And I'm a college dropout. (laughs) So we're we're from one spectrum to the other. We're not anti-college. We just, we think it's important for each of our kids to go the direction that works for them Mm -hmm. and not feel the pressure to do what everyone else is doing because that's the status quo. Absolutely. But so that's kind of the, the um, basis of this chapter is that there's so many different directions. And as a parent of a young adult, of a teenager, you have the ability to encourage your kids to look at their dreams from every single possible angle. And so I'll give you an example, what we did with my oldest son, who is um, an avionics professional and a pilot. Um, right now he's 18 years old and he's a walking brain. That's his nickname, uh. I call him brain. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he is just that, he's just information on legs. Mm. And so it's so interesting because he spent, between the ages of 12 and 18, immersing himself in aviation. I mean, and you know how some interests that kids have kind of wax and wane, sure. they come and go. Some may just be a hobby, but you don't always have a 12 year old that knows this is the direction I'm going for the rest of my life. Right. Well, he was that kid. Okay. And um, the interesting thing is that we sat down when he was about 14 and we drew up a graphic we put a bubble in the middle of what his ultimate goal was, which was to own his own avionics um, firm, um, which is basically programming, fixing, and designing the computers for private airplanes. Oh, craft, wow. Which is what he does today right. as an 18-year-old. Okay. <laughs> but he wants to do that. He wants to have his own company doing that. And he also wants to have a fleet of private jets that he that he provides other people. That's amazing. With, um, for flying privately and He'll be able to do that with his licenses as well. But what we did is we sat down and we drew a bubble in the middle where he ultimately wanted to go, mm. or what he knows. Mm-hmm. Every kid's not, doesn't know. And that's okay too. So parents need to know that every kid doesn't know. Some adults don't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but this is for the kid that is sure or thinks that they know. Mm-hmm. These are ways that you can, you know, map this out for them. And uh, or help them map it out for themselves. We drew bubbles, you know, small bubbles surrounding that large bubble in every direction he could take. He could take the military. He could go to college. He could start a business right out of high school. He could work for a company and develop, you know, his skills. He could um, any number of things. And he chose to um, get his avionics light or, or go to tech school, which is what he did. He got his avionics license. He got his aviation maintenance license, and then he got um, his pilot's license. So, how, how and, so, Carla? How how much time would that be? So, is like when you say tech school, would that be like a two year program? Yeah. Okay. He started at sixteen. Okay. Or he started at fifteen. All right. They generally don't let people in until they're sixteen, but, but he was able to. He's, him, so. he's the walking brain. Yeah. He can do it. <laughs> he's the walking brain. So he started at 15 because he had, he had already been flying planes for like three years. So they were like, okay, let the kid in. So, mm-hmm. so um, yeah, so that was a two year, uh, a two year process. 
and um, the company that works for now is a massive company known all over the world for what it does. And he basically programs, repairs, and uh, upgrades the computers for private jets for some of the wealthiest people on the planet. That's amazing. That is amazing. Um, and yeah, and he's living on his own, taking care of himself, bought his own car. I mean, there's all these kinds of things. You can tell I'm proud of him. Of course you are. I'm proud of him. <laughs> there's all these things, you know, and do you, you know, even with what he's done, people still ask him, well, what about college? Oh, wow. It's, it's in great. It's deep. <laughs> it's so deep. He's like, I've been in college since I was 12. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I have all these licenses that make me money, money that, you know, adults twice my age would love to have. And he's like, and people are still asking me about college. Yeah. And he said he may go later and he may not, mm -hmm. but he's not going to feel pressure to because he's doing what he loves. Right. And so I said all that to say, to encourage parents that college is not the only choice. Mm -hmm. And in this chapter, I talk about all the choices and there's even choices outside of this. These are just mentioning a few. You may have kids that want to go directly into the workforce. I have a couple of those. You may have kids that want to go to college and you can encourage that and help them along their way. You may have kids that are interested in a trade. Um, they may want to travel. Mm -hmm. um, I have another child that wants to be my oldest daughter, um, has a culinary arts uh, training. She's 19 and she wants to be a gastro tourist, travel around the world and, uh, experience and basically judge food oh my gosh that's <laughs> a dream job for me wow I know um they may choose entrepreneurship they may choose performing arts of some kind music dance uh things of that nature they may choose ministry they may choose nonprofit work there are so many directions and this is in the military mm -hmm. there's so many different directions our kids can go yep. we can't lock them into one direction um, that's discouraging for them. And you don't want to make your kid feel like they are, don't measure up because they're not doing right. what the crowd is doing. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think with, um, all of us, we want to feel we're contributing. We want to do meaningful work that makes us want to get up every day. And if that means that we skip around and choose different things that match where we are in life, where we are developmentally, then so be it. Mm -hmm. And I love the fact that there are options and I wish, and I, I talk about this stuff because I want people to recognize that there are more than one, there is more than one way. And right. um, some of the paths that people take right out of high school may lead back to college, like you said, and then some may not, and that's okay too. And it also, when, when we have our children, involved in the process of determining their future, then we're allowing them to show us possibilities that we didn't even know existed. So how in the world would, you know, if, if you tried to control your son's future, you would have to mm -hmm. become an expert in aviation and, and piloting oh, yeah. and, and all the things related to that. But because you trusted him and supported him, it, you could become his assistant essentially. And, and I'm right. sure you probably took some initiative and reached out to various different people. So I wanted to talk about that a little bit too, as part of your role as a mom of teens when children in general, but then mm -hmm. especially the teen years, how has your role shifted from the littles to the teenage years? <laughs> <laughs> wow. You know what? That, 
I have, I did a reel recently on social media um, or a live talking about this. Yeah. You almost made um, me cry. (laughs) Yeah. How I really missed those pitter patter feet and just the, the awe of everything around Mm. them when they were little. And I had six kids under nine and we were unschooling. So you can imagine just the action Mm -hmm. and the, the, it was, it was just like electric. Right. Um, and it was fun and it was really enjoyable and I liked it. Uh, was it easy? No, (laughs) but I enjoyed it. I, and I really, uh, cherished those moments. Now things are much different. My children are much more, um, focused in their own directions. And so a lot of the exposure that I spent, um, my time creating and, uh, curating, so to speak for them was very random when they were younger. Cause I was just trying to wet their whistle mm-hmm. and see what lit fires, um, among the crew. And, um, but as, as they got older, they began to kind of branch off in their own directions. And so I find my role, um, being a researcher, yeah. <laughs> I'm making phone calls and sending emails because I'm looking for mentors. I'm looking for programs. I'm looking for books. I'm looking for classes, courses, or lessons, or anything that will help them perfect a skill or learn something they're interested in. Some someone that's willing to mentor them or let them shadow in their company, whatever the situation is. So you use the word assistant. I kind of feel like I'm working for them. Mm-hmm. And I have no problem with that because the outcome is always so beautiful. But um, yes, so it's so funny because my daughter the other day um, mentioned, I I had come up with a website or something that I wanted to show her. She said, is this one of your 3 a.m. I can't sleep uh, Googles? (laughs) Because that's what happens when I can't sleep. I'm like, I need to look up this for some Right. (laughs) So I still have four kids Mm -hmm. at home, you know, four teenagers who are uh, 16, 15, 14, and 13. And so we are in the throw of things um, when it comes to helping them stretch their wings in in vastly different areas. Um, Not one of them is interested in the same thing. Um, And so it's beautiful and I'm willing to do it. And parents have to be willing to, to take that time because you know, it's an investment in your relationship because they see that you care not just about them as a person, but as about their future and who they are and what's on the inside of them. Um, So it's worth it. It's worth all the time. It's worth all of the investment. Um, And even if what your kid is doing right now is not connected to their life's work in the future, it's all an investment, all the time and all the money, all the resources and the effort, none of it's wasted because it's all building upon something. And it may be 20 years before you recognize how all of that was connected. Mm, True. Um, Those skills they're gaining. Okay. So your child did 10 years of dance and now they want to be a firefighter. You know what? There are skills that he or she learned that are that is going to help them um, with their future career. And you may not be able to connect those dots, but those dots are there. Mm-hmm. And so don't um, belittle their interests, even if it's gaming. And I'm, I know I'm stepping on a lot of toes, <laughs> but the gaming industry is one of the fastest growing industries 
on the planet right yeah. now. And there are so, it's such a vast industry. There's so many roles that our kids can step into as experts. So do not sleep on the gaming industry yeah. and your kids' interests in gaming. Right. Well, and you said too um, in your book that activity does not always equal productivity. And yes. I think that that's a very important thing to keep in mind because we are kind of trained to see the outcome and to see something quantifiable. So I can't see the learning, therefore it didn't happen. Well, there are so much going on in everybody's brain. And even if you could create some sort of system that showed how one thought led to another thought, it would still be different right. because everybody has different experiences. Mm -hmm. We also take in information differently. And, um, you know, the knowledge is just building on the prior knowledge. And so it's just constantly building blocks that mm -hmm. one day will reveal itself in some way that you never could have predicted. I mean, we even hear like how, you know, football yeah. players are encouraged to take yoga. Well, why is that? Because it helps them stay with flexible and, but you would never think and to dance. connect those two yep. together. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the mistakes that I made when we transitioned from um, traditional homeschooling to unschooling or interest-led learning um, was that I mistook, um, activity for productivity. Oh, okay. And so I was just trying to always have them doing something like they had to be doing something that I deemed worth recording and attributing to a, uh, a traditional topic. And, um, it just, it was kind of like fake strewing. <laughs> yeah. You know how right. strewing was is supposed to be without, you know, without requirement or expectation. For me, it was kind of sneaky ways of uh, getting them to learn what I wanted them to learn in the, but outside of a textbook. So I had to be unschooling, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it was kind of my control issues that I was dealing with. Um. And I had to recognize that being busy or signing them up for all the classes or all the activities didn't necessarily mean that they were learning or growing or enjoying themselves. Mm -hmm. We were just busy. Yeah. Well, and it's we like all over the place. It's almost like, um, you know, when you, you don't talk to your kids about specific uh, situations or um, you, 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 impress upon them certain things, but you don't really give them an understanding of it, or you give them rules that are really inflexible. All they do is mm -hmm. learn how to work around it. And right. so when it comes to the learning, that's the same thing. You're just giving them a list of things to do. They're just going to do it. Doesn't mean that they're actually learning anything. And I think I might've mm -hmm. told you, I wrote something a while, a while back, um, uh, a list of, you might be ego schooling if, and the whole idea of ego schooling, meaning that you're doing something just because it's for you and not for your kids and right. how we have to your comfort level. Yes, exactly. And what mm -hmm. we know that idea that you have to just be aware of what is it that you're, what is it that you're actually going for? Is it to look like you or for them to really right. be them? Exactly. And you know, it's, it's so interesting because that goes back to the very first uh, part of the book that you read about our expectation and why are we doing this? Mm -hmm. Are we doing it because we want a perfect outcome or are we doing it because we want our kids to be who, you know, to, to become who they're designed to become instead of who we think they should be as far as, you know, they're going to be a doctor because, 
you know, their father's a doctor, their grandfather's a doctor or whatever the situation is, instead of them being who they were created to be, (laughs) we have this preconception of who they're supposed to be and what they're supposed to do and accomplish. And they have a whole nother agenda and thing that they're dreaming of. And they need to be able to be free to express that um, without our, uh, control issues getting in the way. Mm-hmm, <laughs> for sure. Well, and there's that, there's that saying, um, expectations are pre-planned resentments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, you know, yeah. you, you set these expectations, not to say that you don't have some sort of like moral guidance and guidelines, you know, for, for living together with one another and having a relationship and setting boundaries and things like that. But when right. we, when we place expectations on another human being without really their input, then, you know, that's not, it's not quite the way <laughs> you want things to shake right. out. Um, mm-hmm. Well, and I also like how you reframed reading, writing, and math from academics <laughs> to life skills, because, yes. you know, it's, those are important things to know. They We're not are. saying as unschoolers, you're not going to ever read, write, or do math. We're just looking at it from a totally different perspective. So how, how did that look in your home with your kids? I mean, you've got six yeah, kids. It's like you have a little small classroom. So, um, so with reading, to be honest, that's something that I don't even is off my radar as far as making sure that they do because they're obsessive. <laughs> um, and some more mm, than others, mm-hmm. you know, my oldest daughter read Gone with the Wind in three days. Um, she read Roots in I think two oh, wow. and a half days. So she and she'll reread these books several times. Oh my gosh. And not skip a page. You know. Um, my youngest daughter loves books as well, but she's more into uh fantasy and science fiction. But she's always in a book. Um and then my sons, they they do a lot of reading. It's mostly, you know, just things that they're interested in, magazines and graphic novels and um stuff like that, but they, they love to read as well. So it's just one of those, it's, it's kind of like a, what we do, you know, we go to the library, it's like going to the candy mm-hmm. store, <laughs> but that's our family. That's just yeah. who we are. So that's not something that I've ever had to um, necessarily like encourage, even though we do encourage it, it it's never been a fight for any of the six. Um, and that's just who they are. It's not that I did something mm. that someone else isn't doing. But um, when it co- came to writing, uh, I have a couple sons that have dysgraphia, one mild and one um, quite uh, intense challenge with writing. And, um, and so I had to be more intentional with helping them express their brilliance in other ways. Um, and be more patient in uh, helping them work out, you know, projects and activities that require that. Um, and then I have four other kids that just write constantly. They're always writing. And so one of the things mm-hmm. that I have done every year since we started unschooling was give my kids a stack of notebooks with no requirements and no expectations, no rules just empty notebooks and writing utensils and whatever you want to put in them. So those books have turned into published works. My oldest daughter published four books before she was 16. Oh, Um, wow. And they're uh, books for, you know, historical fiction uh, adventures um, for kids between eight and 13. And, um, and she still sells those today. And then we have, uh, 
my uh, other daughter has written several, several books. She hasn't published any. She's not sure which one she wants to publish. She's kind of skittish about choosing, but mm-hmm. she has written several um, fiction books with those notebooks. My oldest son did not enjoy writing. Writing was a, a challenge for him, uh, mild dysgraphia. But what uh, I found is that the way that he thinks, this is brain we're talking about, he um, mm-hmm. loves scientific topics. And so I thought, hmm, I downloaded uh, from Pinterest a list of scientific writing prompts and he just went for it. And then as he really, got, yeah, and this, he was about maybe 13, 14 then, then he kind of mm-hmm. laid off and stopped and um, further down the line, he started writing aviation and um, avionics manuals in notebooks, now, write- just how to stuff, yeah. how to do stuff. Okay. Um, that he's learning, you know, in his courses and in his training. Um, and it wasn't part of homework or nothing that I said you had to do. It was just, that's what he's, how he started to express himself in the notebooks. Mm-hmm. And um, my two sons that have uh, dys- dyslexia, dysgraphia, um, they write, make, create a lot of comics. Okay. Another son is writing a motivational book of how he overcame um, shyness and, uh, and how he, and and he's, he's in theater. So how he overcame it um, by becoming a a theater actor and he wants to be an actor Mm -hmm. and singer musician when he grows up. So he, he's writing a book about that. And so it's just, um, it's real life. Giving them the opportunity mm-hmm. and providing them with resources and saying, do what you want with it versus I want you to copy this line 18 times or, you know, read this book and tell me about it. I'll tell you this news flash parents. My kids love to read, but the minute I started requiring uh, a book reports, mm-hmm. the reading stopped. Yeah. Yeah. And when I, when I lifted that, that, <laughs> That requirement long ago, I haven't, they haven't stopped reading since and probably never will. So it's important that you recognize, you know, what inspires and motivates your kids and try to give them as much freedom and as much room and, you know, autonomy as you can, um, because that's going to allow them to, uh, to stretch their wings in different ways. Mm -hmm. It's going to look different for every single one just like it does with mine, but that's okay with you is that everybody's not mimicking the other. Absolutely. And that, that brings into that piece of the observation, right? Like we, we really do Mm -hmm. have to be great observers and, and, and that might even require us getting our own notebooks and writing things down, keeping track. And um, also for um, planning for the future for each child, did you have your own notebook for them or did you, just keep track of them on a computer? How, how did you ensure that you were kind of following along and, and maintaining sort of documentation if they did want to go to college? Oh, absolutely. I'm so glad you said that. Um, I use Evernote. Some people use OneNote. Some people use journal, handwritten journals. I started off using a journal of, you know, and I kind of reverse plan where I record what we accomplished versus what we're going to do. Unless it's, unless it's an event or something like that. Um, but I use Evernote, the Evernote app on my phone and I take pictures of whatever they're doing, add a little note to it. 
and then I put it in their folder on Evernote and it, you know, it's a cloud, so it can sync to my computer. Um, Mm. And I have, I think I started doing that when I switched from the journal, I think that was 2014. So I have all of those years of, of pictures and um, descriptions of everything that they've learned. So it made making transcripts for my older two seamless. I was able to do it like in 30 minutes. Yeah, I believe it. You know, and people wait sometimes and then they like are scrambling when their kid turns 18 and suddenly says, I want to go to college or I want to go to this tech school or program that requires a transcript. Mm -hmm. I created my transcripts as I went along. It was kind of creating itself. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Evernote allows you to tag um, your posts so that you can put it under math or you can put it under science or whoever's name, you know, whatever child it is. But I know that we had, um, I hadn't talked about math. Yeah. When it came to life skills, when they're really younger, you know, you are really learning math just by living, (laughs) you know, the younger kids. And so, you know, I don't have a kid that learned fractions out of a workbook. We all learned it in the kitchen. Um, Money was learned through games or through, uh, actually giving them money to spend mm-hmm. in the grocery store at a restaurant. Um, there's like a list that my husband and I came up with, with very basic life skills, you know, how to calculate a tip, how to calculate a sales, uh, sales price, um, budgeting, banking, um, interest investments, just all of those kinds of things that relate to life in numbers. And we decided, okay, when we get the opportunity, opportunities throughout living, these are the things that we want to make sure they know how to do when they leave our house. And none of it was in a chronological order or, um, you know, out of a workbook or anything like that. But we just use those opportunities. We're at a restaurant. Oh, this is a perfect opportunity to talk about tipping, Mm -hmm. you know, what should we tip and how do we figure out the percentage and all of those kinds of things when we're at the store. Okay. How much money do I have? Do I have enough for the full price? No. Well, it's on sale. Do I have enough to purchase it when it's on sale? Let's see how much that is. Um, So just taking those opportunities and and we do that with all of our kids collectively and individually um, in the kitchen, at the store, at a restaurant, just in life we do mock budgets. They saw their brother, you know, he's 18. He's living on his own. Now their sister's living on her own. They saw them go through the process of doing practice budgets and figuring out how they were going to support themselves and what they things they would need to have to pay for and all those kinds of things. And so it's just kind of natural for them to begin to think about those things themselves. Right. Um, if, if we have a kid that is very math and science heavy, and we know that their direction or their natural bent just falls follows in that direction or what the path that they've chosen requires that body of knowledge, then we make sure that they have what they need and they get to choose the resource and use it however they like. Mm-hmm. Um, my oldest son, he did algebra one, algebra two and geometry. And he did three calendar years of chemistry, two calendar years of physics. Now for some people like myself, that sounds like 
torture. (laughs) (laughs) For him, that was heaven on earth. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, but we didn't require that of him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So some people say, well, what if my kid wants to be a doctor? Well, figure out what those requirements are. If your child wants it bad enough, they will do what it takes to do it without you forcing them. Well, and that goes back to that whole idea that you have to have it all figured out as a mom or have to have all the certification or all the the information prior to even considering homeschooling, it, 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 it's that it it, um, reinforces that freedom again, because if your kids are motivated and they have a goal and they have a plan, then that is how learning really happens. And it sticks and it's fascinating Mm -hmm. because I know with my oldest, he's almost 20. And so we unschooled pretty much from the beginning. And, um, you know, he got to a stage where he was looking for doing more, um, more classes and more specific activities that could lead to a college transcript or transcript for college. And um, when he sat down to start doing some writing stuff, because he really didn't do writing prior to that. I mean, he would, he created things and he talked and, and was interested in stuff. But when he finally sat down to write, it was like he, he had developed this entire skill set of just reading and living and interacting with people and communicating and having conversations that all of that information was now able to be be turned into words on a paper. So no, he didn't know the specific skills of like the five paragraph essay and that sort of thing, but he picked it up in no time right? because it wasn't drilled into his head and, and then graded and then marked up. And, and he also had an interest in it. So the ability to pick up those skills when you're ready is just, I think, I think people underappreciate how, how fascinating that is. (laughs) Right. It is, you know, even with writing, we always made sure that we focused on the content Mm -hmm. and the ability to storytell. Oh yeah. um, Over the technicalities. And one thing that helped with the technicalities, I noticed my oldest daughter, when she was publishing her books, is that we would put them in word or we would put them in grammarly and she learned how to self-correct. Yeah. It didn't take me, me and a red pen and tears for her (laughs) to learn, you know, the, the dynamics of sentence structure and how to tell the story and all those kinds of things. And so there are ways that our kids can gain those skills without us breathing down their neck and forcing it upon them. Mm -hmm. And when they seek it out because of something that they desire like you said, it sticks in its lasting knowledge versus just regurgitation of what I've read. Yeah, for sure. And then they get to the end and they're like, wait a minute, how do I use this stuff again? Exactly. (laughs) These skills are necessary. You learn them, they stick, you move on to the next one and you keep building and stuff. So yeah, no, that's, that's wonderful. It's, it's, it just really speaks to joy that you can maintain in your home and have academics for those who are really interested and also mm-hmm. to maintain that sense of awe and wonder and curiosity throughout their lives. Right. And you don't steal that from them early on because you've, you've, you've taken the curiosity away and, and put over that, this, this rigid list of skills and academic type work. Right. I mean, it works, you know, that's just really what I can say. It works to really allow our kids to help, right. help lead the way on their own lives. And, um, no, it's a beautiful process. So, mm-hmm. and I know you've gotten to see that and you continue to see it, your kids at home. Yes, absolutely. And you know, what's interesting, there, there was a difference. My older two did experience some public school and um, 
so their transition was a little different because it's almost like they thought I was trying to trick them, you know? <laughs> yeah. Even though they, you know, they came home in, uh, what was it? Second grade and first grade, but the younger four have always been unschooled. So it is hilarious when I have pup periodic unschooler panic. Um, yeah. Their reaction <laughs> to my, you know, mm-hmm. temporary panic that usually lasts about 30 minutes. Um, <laughs> Now it used to last days, but you know, not anymore, but they're, um, it's really funny because the, the schoolier, <laughs> if that's a word, um, the activity that I try to suggest or encourage, they're like, what <laughs> you want to, they can smell it a mile oh away my goodness, right? because they've always <laughs> from the get go have always had the freedom to direct their day, plan their day. Um, and we start that by, you know, we're not really on a school, uh, year. We start our goals in January. They make their goals for themselves in January. And I just check in with them to see where they're at and how they're doing, what they need from me to go to the next level. If that's still a goal for them. Um, I check in again, mid year are the, you know, if there are goals that you have not even started working toward, Mm -hmm. is it a goal or is it? You know, do you want to take it off the list? Do you want to switch it? Are you completely on another page? Um, That's all up to them. But I just encourage them and make sure they have the resources that they need throughout the year um, to be able to pursue the things that they want to do, whether that's a class or a website or, you know, tools or whatever the situation is. And then those goals determine what they choose to do throughout their day. So they direct their year and they direct their day. And I'm kind of just there to help them do that. And it's, it's really, it's really beautiful. And some days, you know, they're just doing all kinds of stuff. And then other days are gaming days and other days, everybody wants to sleep. I mean, but it all evens out because I see what they're doing and I see what they're accomplishing Mm -hmm. and I see the passion in their eyes for the directions that they're going at the moment. Yeah. It doesn't bother me that they spent, you know, most of the day gaming. Now that used to scare me straight, but, um, you know, I've just learned Mm -hmm. now that just like us as adults, we might start a project and then need to back away for a moment just to process and rethink and, and, and come back with fresh eyes. Yeah. And I find that, uh, my kids do that too. So don't, you know, as parents don't always feel like if your kid is doing nothing in quotation marks, um, that it is nothing. It's not it's uh they're processing sometimes they just need a moment before they transition or shift to something else um or maybe just maybe they need help maybe they don't have the resources that they need to do what it is that they want to do and they need your input for that so mhm well and i'm glad you mentioned that because i do think that's a piece that some people misunderstand about self-directed education and unschooling that the kids are just always oh, motivated no. always mm-hmm. go-getters and we recognize that as human beings, we're interested right. people. Like we, we are curious by nature. We, we seek out things. If something intrigues us, we tend to go f- towards it. But when it comes to our children, you know, developmentally, they change and shift mm-hmm. as they age, but also their, their personalities and temperaments are different. So whereas one child, if that's your first one, especially tends to be the temperament that's like, I got it. I can do it. Don't worry about it. And then your next one comes along and is a little bit more um, 
like not really introverted, but more like um, slower to realize mm-hmm. their strengths or maybe they take a little bit more time to set a goal um, or even verbalize the goal. It's right. not that they don't have it. It's just that they haven't really written it out yet. Then you can be the person that helps draw that out for them. And that that's kind of the role of the parent is to ensure that the communication stays going and that you're able to take on the particular um, responsibilities to connect them to the, to the class or the person mm-hmm. or the event. And, you know, we don't just say, okay, seven-year-old have at right. it, <laughs> you know, and the same thing for 14 year olds, you know, you might have one that tends to just need a little bit more of that support, just another hand to hold, just to get them to that next step. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not a bad thing, you know, and we don't have to determine again, it's that predetermining thing. We don't predetermine at a certain age, this, this, and this is going to happen. You just, you, you let go of that and you look at the person. Um, and I have found that to be the, I mean, I only have two kids and I can see, you know, the differences in them, their temperament and how they sort of approach it's so life. true because when we first started, my oldest son, um, who's 18 now, he, he was the only one that hated unschooling. Mm. <laughs> Can you believe it? He mm-hmm. hated it. And it was because I didn't, I didn't understand that he needed more direction from me because everybody right. else was just like going for it. I mean, I would come down in the morning and everybody is just diving into all kinds of things and projects and games and building this and creating that. And, um, and he would just roam and it drove me nuts. He would mm-hmm. roam or he would mess with what they're doing and, and annoy, yeah. annoy them. <laughs> and I'm thinking, why is this so hard? You're so smart. Mm-hmm. What is the problem? So what I, the conclusion that I came to, and I was correct, was that he liked traditional resources with the freedom to use them when and how he liked yeah. And so, yep. you know, I started, I got him on Khan Academy and he chose all these classes. I got him on CK 12 chemistry and physics and he chose classes. And so he liked the structure of the classes, but he wanted to do them on the day he wanted as frequent as he wanted to or not and use them how he wanted to, but he needed the resources. And some of the resources I had at home, I had a lot of hands-on stuff and he really mm-hmm. wasn't into that. He liked, okay. you know, um, the computer courses and online courses and stuff like that. So I uh, made sure that he had books that were very cerebral. Some of them were actual uh, textbooks, like on chemistry and physics and um, algebra and geometry. He wanted traditional things like that, but he did not yeah. want it to be in a formal um, school-like presentation. He just wanted the materials. Yeah. And, it's so important to notice. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. I have another son who is similar to that. Everybody will be, you know, doing their thing. Um, he's my artsy kid, but he also loves science, which is a really interesting combination. But um, I asked him, I said, we have a stack, like at least 20 male science chemistry kits and probably about the same amount of physics kits in our uh in our homeschool closet. And I said, you know, you love science, you know, you, you thought about doing any projects and it's like he, out of sight, out of mind. And so I said, is uh-huh. that something you would want me to initiate? And he said, yes. Yeah. So he, he wants to do them, 
And he only wants to do them when he wants to do them, but he wants me to initiate them. But if had I not asked those questions, I would have been frustrated. He would have been frustrated and roaming. Um, and so every kid is going to need something different. We can't do this one size fits all. This is how we do it. You either fit into this box or you don't. Um, mm -hmm. Whereas my yeah. other kids, they're like, leave me alone. I got this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're like, I know exactly what I'm doing today. I got a plan. And, you know, unless we have a field trip or something like that, I always tell them those things in advance, then they mm -hmm. want to be left alone to do their thing. And usually what they do, the projects that they, you know, uh, do and the things that they create are much more amazing than anything I could yeah. have initiated. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, and so. I've said that before is like, if, if it was up to me to help my children develop who they are then they would have never become super techie and build their own computers. They would have never been the artist that they are because how right. am I supposed to <laughs> give them skills that I don't even have or walk them through how to do stuff? Exactly. Um, and that, that speaks to the need to communicate, which honestly segues so beautifully into this last piece I want to cover that you wrote. It was about the five pillars of maintaining positive relationships with our kids and it's the communication, exposure, reading, hands-on mentorship. So how did, how did you get to that point? You know, it wasn't something, it was kind of backwards, um, meaning I recognized what was the most valuable things that have gotten us where we are today, you know, as of writing this book. Um, what are the main things that fuel our homeschool that would benefit every homeschool, I believe. And one of the biggest ones is communication, the conversations, you know, and yes, homeschool mom, homeschool dad, conversations are important. And yes, they count as learning. Um, the conversations we have around any and everything are very, very important. And I cherish them. I'm sure I will for the rest of my life. Uh, but it's, just because it's not out of a book or out of a curriculum or on a website or something like that, that you can, that's tangible, it counts. Everything counts. And um, so you just take those opportunities when your kids are asking questions and you have the time, sit down, have those conversations, talk about those mm -hmm. issues or whatever the situation is, do some Googling together, learn new things together. Um, Talk about hard stuff. You know, as our kids grow up, they become teenagers, they get jobs, they go out into the world. They're going to be faced with a lot of different perspectives and ideas. And they need to be able to come back mm -hmm. home and say, hey, mom, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about that? Um, I'm honored. You know, I have uh, four kids now that are employed. And uh, in their early years as teenagers, um, the older two and then now two teens now that are working um, we're able to talk a lot about leadership and customer service and ethics yeah. and integrity and finance and all kinds of things, entrepreneurship, um, all surrounding conversations on their jobs. I mean, that's like leadership 101 yeah, for two sure. credits right there. <laughs> you know, it's, um, you know, I just love the conversations that we have. And then we do, we've done up until this spring, which really is sad to me read alouds the conversations that we had around the books that we read um 
over the over the years have been magnificent and a big part of our learning journey. And wouldn't it be unfortunate if I didn't consider that learning because it wasn't a tangible lesson, so to speak. Yeah, or you didn't have a test afterwards that, that showed what they exactly. learned. Exactly. There was no test. It was just conversation and explanation and historical reference and, um, you know, again, ethics and integrity and character and choice and history and, you know, sociology, just all kinds of things wrapped up into a beautiful package. And uh, so that was one of the most important things. And that's why I mentioned that exposure, you know, one thing that people come to me and say, my kids do not have any interests. And if right. they're alive, if they're breathing, they have interests. Yes, they do. <laughs> now, I will say this, that if they don't, or you haven't noticed this because they haven't seen it, touched it or experienced it yet. They don't know what it is because they haven't been exposed to enough things to know. Right. Or they haven't shared it because maybe they might think you might be little bit or mm -hmm. think that it's not important or valuable. And so we have to um, change the way that we look at interests and um, not value some over the other. So exposure is how you do that. You know, new ideas, places, industries, um, concepts, careers, just get out, see new people, go new places, um, activities. And, you know, that will help them learn about the things that they do love, that they haven't experienced yet, or learn about things that they absolutely do not love. <laughs> And never yeah, want to experience sure. again. So, <laughs> and that's important. Yeah, it is. Well, and I just want to inter, I just want to interject here too about the exposure piece because I noticed with my kids um, and other other people's children too that maybe they were exposed to something when they were around seven, eight, nine, weren't very interested in it. But then when we circled back to it and exposed them around twelve, thirteen, fourteen, it was a totally different world. Right. So that idea that maybe that they don't like piano. Well, it's because they did it at seven, but now they're 13, their brains are different. They developed more. They actually, you know, love music. They appreciate the sound of, of the background music. So now piano is a amazing option right. for them. Don't discount it just because they didn't like it when they were younger. It could possibly be, they just weren't ready for it. That's exactly what happened to one of my sons oh, <laughs> with yeah. piano. Yeah. Oh my gosh, really? <laughs> mm -hmm. So now he's creating his own music, writing his own lyrics and wow. that kind of thing. Yeah. But um, So yeah, all of these five pillars. Reading, I mean, reading has been the pillar, both their independent reading, but our reading together. And that doesn't mm -hmm. mean read alouds are for everybody. I get it. But um, reading has just been important because... I encouraged it with our kids early on because I feel like if you want to pursue things that you're interested in, it's going to be in a book somewhere. Mm -hmm. It's going to be on a website somewhere. And so, you know, that's kind of how we've approached it. You know, anything you want to know, we can get a book about it. You know, yeah. we can look it up online. There's somebody that has written about it, you know, um, and then hands-on experiences even if you are a traditional homeschooler and you just want to do some things different this year, um, you want to take learning outside of the curriculum, outside of the textbook and actually do exercise the skills that you're learning in that book in real life. I suggest it. And that's where hands-on experiences come from. 
It is so incredibly important to show your, our kids how the knowledge they're learning in a textbook or curriculum or class, how it relates to their life, how they can exercise that skill or the, those talents or, um, you know, apply it to their lives. So that's very important. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fifth one, mentorship. You are not going to be your kid's only teacher. <laughs> no, 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 you no, just no. aren't. And so uh, you have to be open to people. And there are people all over the world that would be tickled to share their expertise and their skills with the next generation. And um, this has been a strength for ours in our, in our homeschool. And mainly because I've been willing to be bold and shameless about asking people to do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's um, a good thing to mention because I know some people have a hard time with that. You know, it's yeah. like, who do I, who do I reach out to? How do I start that process? How do I even begin to engage someone I have never met before or an area I'm not even familiar with? And yeah, I think it just surprised. requires that. Just do it. Just do it. <laughs> yeah. You'd be surprised how many people are in your area, your region, or even that, that can are willing to help online that would love to pour into your kids. Now, sometimes that could be a free experience. Other times it may cost. So you have to determine what you can handle financially. But um, I have, I have a daughter that is an amazing seamstress and designer of clothing and handbags. And she, uh, she was so good. I was like, I need somebody that's really good that can mentor her. And so we found someone Um, and I, I just happened to see a designer online and I inboxed her and I said, would you consider, (laughs) and I sent her some of my daughter's work. So she knew that, that she wasn't dealing with somebody that was just sewing buttons on clothing, but that was actually had, had models wearing her clothes. Um, and so, uh, and she, she was willing to mentor her. So she did that for a while. Uh, my daughter has since uh, decided to go in a different direction, but not for one minute was it right. um, a waste of time and experience for her to be able to meet someone that was doing something um, on another level that she could learn from and glean from. So it's important. You just, you have to put yourself out there. Um, my husband, my son, was able to, um, we were able to find out about the program that will allow a 12 year old to fly a plane just by talking about it at church. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. My husband mentioned it to a guy at church and he was like, you need to talk to my wife because my son used to be in a program. And lo and behold, a month later, my son's starting a program at 12. Mm. (laughs) So there's people all around you. You don't know the experiences and the wealth of information and and, uh, expertise that people have in your family in your neighborhood, at your church, in your community, even in your region that are willing to help your kid get where they Mm want to go. mm -hmm. And I do think it does just require you taking that initiative and saying what you said, like, you know, would you be willing? Would you consider, you know, give them an out. They, They have an option to say no. But if, if the kids are serious about it, I agree. I think people love being able to pass on their passions to the younger generation, um, in some capacity or other. So, well, that's just wonderful. It's so nice to hear your experiences and where your kids are and what they're doing. And of course, people can follow along on Instagram and you have a Facebook page and you also have a YouTube channel. Is that correct? 
<laughs> and they're all they're all under uh, Carla the Unschooling Mama, so it's the same name on all three platforms. Okay, perfect. And um, my website is uh, www.carlamariewilliams.com. There you can see all of my books as well as the courses that I offer and other things that I do. Um, one thing that I wanted to talk about Teens Unleashed in particular is that uh, it is the, I guess you can say the um, the next book after Homeschool Gone Wild, after I wrote Homeschool Gone Wild, I actually um, promised that I would come back when I had graduated or launched my first two children mm-hmm. um, to talk more about the teen years. I didn't have teens at that time and I'm only willing to talk about what I know for sure and what I'm hundred percent. Yep. So <laughs> I agree. when I, when I accomplished that, I wrote teens unleashed and it's kind of like the, the continuation of homeschool gone wild where um, I show you exactly how we handle the teen years or what other people would consider high school um, how we create transcripts, how we, um, how my kids uh, formulate their goals, how they plan their days, and um, just very basic nuggets to help you see how this can work for your family. Doesn't mean it's going to be exactly like ours. Your children are different. You're different. Um, but I, I hope that both books, Homeschool Gone Wild and Teens and Leash, are a blessing to families that really want to do something different. And it doesn't mean that you're going to like full on unschool. Mm-hmm. But if you want something different and you want to begin to, um, you know, give your kids more autonomy in their learning and uh, see, you know, different outcomes than what you're seeing, then I suggest, you know, both of these books for, for your audience. Yeah. yeah. A hundred percent. I agree. And I also will just add to in the um, teens book, how you had examples of, you know, your children, what they were doing, what they were working mm-hmm. on. Um, but then the section, I just want to, I want to highlight, like you said, the um, transcript part too, there's transcript college. And then also the, the section on um, the different children that have unschooled and what they were doing as far as sort of other kids, just how you gave examples. Yes. 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 Other kids, yep. other than your children yep. Yep. We had... and how there's a whole section there about unschoolers in action. So it's nice to see mm-hmm. additional families and children and how kind of they're doing things and living and learning and following their passions. And two of those in that particular section are second generation. They're moms who were unschooled, mm. who are now unschooling their children. And then we have, I think, maybe eight or nine kids from ages, I think, 14 to 19 and what their lives look like and what their aspirations are. So people can kind of gleam. I didn't want to only use my kids as an example. Yeah. And so thankfully, other parents were willing to share, you know, their kids examples as well. That's wonderful. Well, before we wrap up, are there any parting words or quotes maybe that we could leave people with to help them on this journey? (laughs) You know, (laughs) I would like to, you know, share the fact that I'm sure every parent would agree that their kid is unique, that every one of their children is unique. And if your kids are unique, then their learning experience should be as unique as they are. Oh, I like that. that. You can curate an experience for them that is unlike anything that, you know, anyone else has ever had because they're unique and mm-hmm. their their path and the direction and the dreams they have. Um, you can cater to that. 
And don't let anyone tell you that if you unschool or you do interest-led learning, your kid can't go to college or they can't be successful or anything like that. I'm here to tell you that's hogwash. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Unschoolers go to college all the time. Unschoolers start businesses. They do things at the same rate as any public school or homeschooled child. So just know that this can work for you if it's something that you're interested in. Mm -hmm. um, you know, homeschool going wild focused more on the mentality shift, right? And yeah. the teens and leashes more kind of walking it out in the older years. But that's what it takes to make this work. Yep. You have to look at learning differently and um, determine all the ways in which learning happens in order for you to really be able to see it and acknowledge it as your kids grow and mature. Thank you for listening. Maybe you don't have teenagers yet, but I hope our conversation took some of the mystery away from what homeschooling can look like in the teen years. It has been my experience and honor to walk alongside my two teens and witness the customized life they are building on a timeline and a schedule that matches the unique people they are. As always, stay curious, stay connected, and stay aware. Until next time.